What's up, everybody? Time for another Code Pen Radio's 358, where I have a special guest, longtime creative technology. I've admired his work for a long time. CJ Gammon. How you doing, CJ? Hey, Chris. Nice to be here. Doing pretty good. Fantastic. Yes, you're one of those those people we've we've corresponded in the past. You know, there's I think I liked a pen this morning while looking through some of your work from like 2013 or something, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's some older stuff long. in there for sure. But, <laughs> but that's all you know. You've been a you've been a a creative technologist, let's say. I don't know if that's how you think of yourself, but that's what your website says for sure. Yeah, you know? that's that's definitely kind of how I categorize myself. I think um it's hard, especially in like web and like front end to like, you tend to get put in boxes, I think a lot, especially around um, either design or engineer. Um, and so I've kind of, I've kind of tried to avoid that a little bit and kind of, you know, float between the two. Um, so yeah, so I like to think of myself as a creative technologist. I definitely enjoy designing as well as engineering is that was that was it for you know business reasons or or, or you know or the um, like or f- well i think for like as far as like business reasons like i've definitely gone more into like engineering roles for the most part and technology's okay. kind of taken over career-wise a little bit but i guess more just for like sanity like i like to i enjoy doing the design as well and so i, I kind of try to keep that alive as much as i can yeah, that's great. That's great. Probably, uh, probably makes sense to, you know, I think that, you know, you're an engineer with as much experience as you probably have. That's probably where the, probably where the money is. Not if that's not exactly what you're thinking, but it's probably a, a little harder to, but then you get hired for the role. And if you're really clear about it, be like, look, I'm, you know, not only full stack, but, but you know, the actual full stack, the one with design in it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, you know, there's different types of design and different like skill levels in different areas, but um, I actually started out doing design first and working in like print and things like that, and then moved, you know, into the web more and more into the technology side. And so it was kind of nice to have that perspective too when working with designers. So oh, I couldn't agree more. It's a particularly useful one design is, but so many other things are, I mean, Sometimes I look at people who are like lawyers first and be like, whoa, you got a real edge, you know, or, or, or anything else, you know, for sure. Yeah. Cool. And so you're at Adobe now. How fresh is that? Um, yeah, I've been at Adobe a while. Um, so I've been at Adobe almost 10 years now and, uh, oh, joined them. Holy wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got your gold watch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's coming up. So, um, but yeah, no, I enjoy it. I I've done a lot of cool stuff there. Um, mostly around like, um, demos and prototypes for like, um, application features and new application ideas and things like that. So a lot of oh, that's creativity involved too. Yeah. What a perfect fun. role for you. And at a company that obviously values creativity, it's pretty fundamental over there, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. So, you know, one of these things that we can do, as I've been talking with other, you know, CodePen community members lately on the podcast, is like, this thing gets so darn fun, is to, like, look through pens. Some of them might be 
a blast of the past for you. And some of them might be, might be more fresh. I don't know. I saw, you know, even just poking around a little bit, there was like, a, you know, I saw this one called the great fall and I was like, this looks familiar. And it looked like it was just a fork of one you, you did in the past, but what an, what an amazing pen, you know, you has some elements of 3d to it, but it's like this, you know, you look at it and it looks like nighttime of this mountainy forest scene with a river coming right down the middle and then as you scroll down, it's so satisfying because not only do things happen when you scroll down, but the, the whole background itself has a bit of, uh, I don't know, three-dimensionality to it and just a just a wonderful piece. Where did that come from? Yeah, so this is one I made a while ago. And at the time, I was um, playing around a lot with like WebGL and 3JS. And I was really interested um, in the idea of taking like traditional like web like interactions, like just scrolling, but also like mapping them to a 3D scene. And this was mm-hmm. one I had done where I just kind of mapped the camera to, to the vertical of it. But I'd also, I think at the time I was also playing around with like um, mapping cameras to like paths and like flying through scenes and things like that. Yeah, there are some other work, you know, like you, I don't know if this one is 3JS, I guess maybe it is. Yeah, I, don't, some... is, yeah it's, I think it's just a bunch of like low poly models I made in Blender that I kind of brought in. And, um, but there's others like the, what was the black sun one? That's very fly, fly through the air. That one, that was funny. That was, a uh, actually inspired by, I think at the time there was like a death cab for cutie music video that they did where yeah. <laughs> for the song black sun. And it was like a lyric video, but it was all low poly, um, terrain and the terrain would kind of like warp in this like interesting way. And so that's kind of where that idea came from too. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a little, uh. Was it Inception where the city bent up and around? Yeah, but this was, you know, well before that. Yeah, pre-Inception. Yeah, I like taking um, ideas from, like, just other mediums and things like that and just seeing, like, if I could recreate them in web tech, you know? Yeah, yeah. This Great Fall is so interesting in that, it, you know, I can tell how old it is almost in code pen terms because the first line of the CSS is import compass slash CSS3, which was... Uh, you know, compass is, is pretty old school. And to this day, if that line is in your CSS, we know to like route that request to a special older, you know, CSS processor that still supports because, you know, compass only worked on Ruby SAS and SAS has long since left Ruby land. Yeah. I'm always amazed when like some of these older ones still even run. Cause like, yeah, yeah. so much has changed since, um, since some of them were made to leave that to us, CJ, that's our problem, not your problem. Yeah. 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 We'll work. Well, you're doing good with it. You got it covered. <laughs> cool. And so, you know, you scroll down here these days, I, I think so often of, gosh, if you're going to match scroll position with CSS stuff, well then why don't you just, you know, map a custom property over to CSS. This was, long before that was ever possible right and yet the reflect the you know the effect is smooth performant just as beautiful as anything you do today but it's cool to see how old tech yeah i think i'm just like triggering it when it gets into view based on the viewport um Mm -hmm. css animations and i think the original one I, i don't know if it still works but i had like css like um clip masks animating for it uh, no kidding. Like oh, yeah, it was early point. days for that then. Yeah, that was a fun little project. I don't know. I, I think I was inspired to, I think I had just seen like uh, probably like a print design somewhere that looked sort of like this and kind of riffed off that a bit. Nice. Yeah, I think, you know, the, 
it's it's amazing that print design is still cool, you know, as much as people, you know, kind of consider it a dying industry. And I don't know that that's entirely fair. I mean, maybe there's like less money in newspapers and all that stuff that you can't refute that. But certainly the coolest print design is as cool as it ever was. Yeah. I mean, I think even just like the amount of freedom you have in like print and static design gives you a different kind of mentality. And then that can, you know, then inspire interactive or motion graphic designers based on that. Um, so it all kind of feeds into each well, other. And you work at Adobe. So I think you'd have an interesting perspective. I mean, what's the, what is it like? What is, uh, how do I say this? You know, like the tools that Adobe produces are heavily used by print designers still today. Right. So is that, oh, yeah. is that, is that core still? And you think Adobe, uh, you know, I'm sure you, they don't like share the spreadsheet of the books with you necessarily, but is it, you know, like a, a bulk of Adobe's business is still supporting print designers? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, Photoshop's a beast and like still use like all over the place. And um, I mean, it, it, the way that people reference things like photoshopping is like basically like Googling, right? Yeah. Like, it's like Photoshopping or know? whatever. It's like just a word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that could be used for digital design as well, you know, whereas something like whatever InDesign is is exclusively for print, really. Yeah. InDesign. Um, illust- I mean, Illustrator, I like I love vector art and I feel like that mm-hmm. has like applications beyond print as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, vector art does kind of permeate your work, doesn't it? There's this pen here, the text color draw. I don't know if that's a blast of the past one, but it's it, it's kind of a, a namesake pen for you because these letters come flying down from the sky that are your name and uh, c- clearly a vector art experiment. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when I was um, starting out in design, like I kind of I, like I learned Photoshop from just like looking around and seeing art and like trying to replicate it in Photoshop. But with Illustrator, I feel like it was a little different where like, I, I use more of like my illustration skills that I got from school, like back in the day where I was mm-hmm. able to kind of leverage those a bit more. And I, I really kind of fell in love with illustrator as an application just because it, it treats things more like objects, you know, the way you kind of think of them in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when you're dealing with pixels, you're dealing more with like the raw data of it. I a hundred percent know what you're talking about. And even in, even when I, you know, was at peak Photoshop work I was doing, I was still almost trying to replicate that by like over layering so that at least I, the layers were object like, sure. and then I'd have yeah. some control like in that way. Things. But in illustrator there's layers too, but you don't even almost don't even need to think about it in that way. Cause everything you just touch a thing and you see the little control knobs and there you go that was a transformative class for me one of my first graphic design classes ever was was literally just i think it might have been called illustrator you know just because it was like let's learn this one piece of software and it was a very almost formulaic class in a satisfying way so like one of the first assignments was to draw an arrow and then learn about some illustrator things like how you can duplicate an object right. so you, you know you you op, you whatever option drag which is now you know name me a piece of software that doesn't have option drag for duplicating a new thing you know yeah and then but there was you know there's built-in tools like rotate it 45 degrees but then what was it like command shift d was like do it again right the same number of 45 At degrees you could do it yeah. once and then hit it like eight times and then you have a circle of arrows and so the first assignment was like make a design you know using illustrator's tools but the only design element you can use is an arrow 
And the whole, yeah. it was such a fascinating thing because it's, it's fun for you to do, but then you get to see the whole, you know, the 15 other students in your class producing designs too. And by your, I, that's the value of school to me. You know, oh, my yeah. brain's just exploding with ideas. Just like all those creative minds together. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I, I, yeah, no, I loved illustrating. I feel like that was sort of my gateway too to, um, to flash back in the day, which is another, um, big impact on my career and just, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think who I am in general, because I, I feel like even today, like when I'm building things, I think of them in the same way as I did in flash, like with that mm-hmm. kind of like object structure. And then, um, especially with like tools like GSAP where you can generate timelines and things like that. Um, so much of that is kind of brought over from, from like the flash days. Right. And it was, I think probably a lot of people know it as Adobe flash. Right. But, you know, was Macromedia Flash before that and all that. And then, and then, you know, I don't know, this is like magically somehow come up on a lot of different Code Pen radio episodes, but Greensock was a Flash tool. Yeah. It, it was a, a tweening engine at the time. Um, yeah. And so it's so interesting that P- Flash people, you know, very much made the migration with them. Right. Well, I think they, like, I don't know if they were one of the first, but like, because a lot of the tweeting engines at the time were like trying to figure out JavaScript and migrate over um, as Flash was kind of fading out with like the rise of mobile. Um, and so mm-hmm. they were one of the first ones to do it and they just did it, like nailed it. Like, I feel like they've just like dominated that space um, with the tooling and all the different features they have within it. So powerful. Yeah, what a challenge! This that one I brought up, text color draw with your name come flying in is a it's a GSAP pen. If you want to check it out, although <laughs> not trying to confuse you, we say uh, this is here's one thing you could work on, Green Sock people. As much as I love you, what are we supposed to say? Are we supposed to say Green Sock? Are we supposed to say GSAP? Are we supposed to say something else? You know, I feel like it's yeah. Kind of- I, mean, I mean, I guess I feel like either way, Green Sock, GSAP. Um, there's a branding issue in there. Green sock <laughs> is the way to go. I, I'm going to put my I'm going to put my token in for that yeah, one because it's such fair. a cool word. And GSAP has green sock in it already. It's the it's the G of GSAP. You know, just because I write it probably in code, I'm just used to referencing it as GSAP more. Oh right, because um, that's like the global namespace for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I wonder if, because Greensock's the name of the company, that if they had a second product, or if, God forbid, you know, they had to make another transition to another technology, because it's happened to them once already before, that you you wouldn't just call it Greensock anymore. You might as well use a sub name, not the company yeah. name. Oh, yeah. No. All right. So, what other pens do you have in, in? In in do you have any uh, that you were looking through that you think thought were especially yeah, cool? Yeah. So that color draw was just like sort of animating paths using GSAP at like different speeds, so that they would kind of overlap the colors a little bit, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it looks super cool. The uh, the snap display ad was one. I think we had corresponded because that was an ad that ran on CodePen back in the day. Um, Really, this one with the little monsters that come out of the game board looking thing? Oh, no, um, that's the interactive illustrations. That was one to promote Snap when it came out, um, which is like the SVG library. And that was just like, I don't know, I was just goofing around there. It was just like an illustration I did in Illustrator and then animated. Yeah. God, that's a a blast of the past for me. I kind of forgot all about Snap. Who made Snap? 
Yeah, so that was um, Dmitry Barnovsky. He, he still works at Adobe. Um, he's an engineer, but he uh, created it after uh, Raphael.js, which was his original yeah. library he created for SVG. Wasn't that wasn't it like a, a alligator or something? Was the logo or? Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, yeah. For Snap, they had like an alligator on the website. So yeah, because you know alligators snap. You know, which one are you talking about though? There's another Snap thing here. Oh, so down below the the thumbnail's not really showing anything right now, but um, there's a Snap display ad one, uh, which is just sort of like a low poly, like style banner ad that we did. So it kind of transitions um, between different uh, screens and animations. This kind of goes back to the Flash days too, because I used to do a lot of uh, banner ads for Flash oh, way yeah? back when. And so it was fun to kind of use those uh, skills. I think we knocked this out in like a day or two. Like it really didn't take that long at all. I see. I, now, I, I, oh, sorry, I do remember this now. Yeah, the low poly meaning the like triangles that touch yeah. each other. The, the waterfall has this too. And it's just used as like a texture behind the ad. And then, and then it ran like a, you know, I don't know, what would you call like, How did you make interactive ads like this in the past? I mean, I guess they would, at one weird point in history, they would have been Flash, but this was, of course, was never Flash. So it probably would have ran as a little iframe or, or maybe because of Snap SVG that it just turned into an SVG. That's probably what it was, right? We did this as um, SVG, like the different layers that was sort of kind of transition between each other in the different states. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys loaded it as an iframe and when it ran on CodePen. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, maybe, just for maybe, safety hopefully. reasons. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that was a fun little project to do. Yeah, how cool. How cool. And then, oh yeah, it's interesting. Why would uh, why would Adobe care, you know, or pay for an ad for some library from this guy? Was he working at Adobe at the time? Yeah, so Adobe actually released it open source, um, like, and that was sort of like his first, I think one of his first projects at Adobe that he worked on was that oh, library. Nice. So it's his library, but kind of sponsored by Adobe. I yeah. See. And at the time they were, um, Adobe was working on promoting a lot of like web base features like blend modes and um, uh, masking and things like that within the web yeah. as well. Adobe has an interesting history of there of jumping in at to web standards even at interesting times. Like I, I remember their involvement with uh, what do you call that thing where text would flow from one element to another element? Yeah, that, so that was regions. Um, regions, right? R.I.P. Sadly, off. yeah. Well, they were trying to bring some of those like uh, print. Uh, concepts over to the web. Yeah, because certainly you can do that in InDesign. You just link two text regions and the text just flows from one to the other. And yeah, yeah I remember that. I was, I was so excited about that because that that really is, that's really print, print style, you know? Yeah. And I think to this day, I think the web could really use that without knowing the intricacies of what would make it so hard and all that. I remember there was some you know, concerns about circular, you know, dependency crap or, or whatever. But I remember the seminal moment where, what was it, Burt Boss or whatever, like this, like CSS, you know, the inventor of CSS, like, you know, hasn't spoken up in ages and all of a sudden comes out against CSS regions. And it felt like, well, that's the end of that then. Cripes. Yeah, there was a lot <laughs> happening then too, because that was kind of when, um, when Chrome 
like forked off of WebKit and everything. Like there was a lot of like browser stuff happening around that time too. Yeah, I wonder. All that stuff is related. That's a good little piece of history there. You know, you you wonder yeah. what would happen if it was brought up today in a different with a different landscape of browsers and different, you know, added, you know, appetite for betterness of the web. It's tricky too, because I feel like stuff like that works better on like a larger screen. And like, also the trend was at the time was kind of going to like the phones and the smaller screens. So like even simpler layouts. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Like, why does that matter? If I don't know. I mean, it to me, it, the, the clutch use case is the like, I'm, this is yes you can look at it in a web browser but my intention ultimately is to like turn it into a pdf right there's still this disconnect of i don't know you'd think some html would be real real easy to turn into a beautiful pdf and like it's better than it was but that particular piece is very missing it would certainly be nice to have that option that level of fidelity with the layout Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a different kind of thing, I oh, guess. Oh, no, but thanks for trying, Adobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. yeah. I'm sure all those repos still exist and all that. Uh, there's another, here's another, um, Winter Trees was a, was a 3JS exploration oh, yeah. of yours that was very beautiful. What, what really sells it to me is this, like, it's a beautiful landscape. It has that 3JS thing where you get to control the camera and all that, but it has this fog to it is blur yeah. effect to it that makes it feel extra wintry and beautiful a lot of it was just playing around with um like the different features and most of these are even things like people can play with like in the examples on um 3gs's website which is like the depth of field blur like post-processing effects and things like that mm-hmm. um which oh, really add that. a lot to the the scene um you know I'm, so much of my I look at a lot of 3JS work because of, of CodePen, you know? It's been a lot of years of CodePen and seeing people play and do cool stuff like you. But what I, I've never done it. I don't think I've ever made a single 3JS thing. But I, I'm curious where it sits in the... Because looking at a pen like this, I'm like, this just feels like a video game to me. Do people build video games in 3JS? Is that a oh, thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could totally make a game with 3JS for sure. But do they? Or do they use something else? Or is You know, that's one of the things I've always thought was really interesting. Like, there's so much um, capabilities, you know, between, like, sockets and, like, um, even, like, WebRTC and, like, mm-hmm. 3JS, like, WebGL. Like there's so much possibility for people to make really like rich experiences. And some do like, there's some really amazing websites being made out there, but it always felt like the, the people who are really like pouring resources into it just don't mess with the web too much. They, they'd rather just go where they can do the most, I guess, which is, um, or at least where Xbox they can make the most money, which is probably like, you know, like the doing it on like native Oh, I see. Making it, yeah, making it a a game game. Uh, that's not fair to say, but uh, I don't know, Steam and whatnot. But yeah, you could do tons of cool stuff. In fact, I think even, um, well, I don't know for sure, but I, I thought Roblox was kind of all web based, oh, isn't it? Nice. I don't know much about it, but I heard a podcast about it. The it other might day. have like a a web player. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's interesting what they're doing, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm mostly just you know, trying to see where this stuff sits in the world today. It's like this stuff has been so beautiful for so long. It almost seems like it should be the predominant 
way we experience a lot of games and stuff. And it seems like maybe that's not quite the case yet. I really thought this stuff was going to like the richer experiences. Cause like I get nostalgic for like the early web um, mm-hmm. with like the flash days and like home start runner and that kind of stuff where people were just like pouring out crazy creative content. And, um, and, and it, people still do that. And I actually feel like there's been kind of a revival of that recently. Like you're starting to see mm-hmm. that some of it's around like the NFT stuff, which, you know, like that's a thing, but like, it's been interesting to see people putting stuff out there and just being more creative with like the stuff they're producing. And even I think Wordle too is like a great example of like, you just made, made a thing and put it out there and like people just flock to it, you know? And it's great to see that kind of stuff happening again. Yeah. I saw some tweet today. I wish I could credit it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to podcast Google myself or whatever, but it was about how Wordle maybe broke the, the wall of the web for a bunch of people like it's a very good thing for the web because there's a lot of people that have maybe two or three websites they go to every day and that and that world's now like the fourth you know and what a what a big deal that is like it just gets the into web. people's routine that way yeah and it's and the only option you have to play it is the web right and and I love too like the like that they force that you can you can only do it once a day you know what I mean like you can't yeah. like consistently play it um throughout the day and it just kind of creates this like this natural fit into your cycle at that point you know what i mean like your routine so yeah right what a big deal you know and to and to have it be such a wholesome thing you know oh yeah who doesn't love board games you know and i know there's this whole yeah i I want to know if it's controversy or anything but you know that the new york times runs it now but from my perspective and not and a desire to not be dramatic about anything, it seems fine. It's oh like, yeah. Well, and you know, whatever. Good, for, good for him. He should, you know, yeah. get paid, you know, whatever. paid for it. So yeah, I think that's super cool. I'd, I'd love to see more stuff like that take off and two around like, um, just getting, you know, bringing things away back away from like all the social networks and just to people making like websites and web content that, that they share with each other. I feel like CodePen really facilitates that kind of stuff too, which is cool. Oh, well, cool. The the last pen I have bookmarked is one of the Apple Watch, which also probably feels like a blast of the past for you, but what a satisfying little experience, you know, the bringing that, you know, if, if anybody doesn't have an Apple Watch, there's this one particular view where all the icons are spread out in a in a plane of and as you as the one the app that's closest to the middle is the biggest and the ones around the edges are small and you kind of recreated that in Canvas, which is this is also a common thing I find among all y'all creative technologists is that you're very if not comfortable, you do it anyway doing different technologies. Like if I look through CJ Gammon pens, you know, not all of them are going to be canvas, you know, but yeah. this one is. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I love um, 2D cam and just playing around with raw canvas. I do some um, like P5 JS stuff too, like with like processing and like Pixie JS too, but um, it's fun to just play with like the raw canvas API. And uh, th- yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to recreate that functionality where it kind of highlights the, the center most, circle within the yeah, ui as cool. you sort of scroll around on the web so yeah it was fun you have any others you 
want to highlight here for folks. So they'll end up in the show notes. So, we, you know, people are like, yeah, what's CJ's favorite? You can link that up. It depends. Like, they're all like sort of like time capsules of like what I was doing yeah. at the time. I found that to be true with lots of folks too. You know, like, oh, here, you know, somebody shipped some new thing. You know, I talked to Ryan Mulligan last week. He's like, oh, I remember when David DeSandro's, uh, uh, what's the the 3D lib library he dropped where you can make this, you know, it almost looks like 3JS, but it's not. It's, a, I don't know, they, he made this boxing burger that's great. And right when David dropped yeah. that library, there's, all you know, a proliferation of, of, of pens that period. And it does, it feels like a time capsule. For you, I think one of them, you have this one called Morph Guy, which belongs in the time capsule of when, when GSAP, let's call it, uh, dropped that morphing plug-in which just captured people's attention and made for cool demos like this little dude. Yeah. And that's literally what that was. I think I was um, speaking at Adobe Max at the time and they had just released it. And I was like, oh man, I've got to get this into my talk somehow. (laughs) So I just real quick did a demo, did that little um, demo based on an illustration I had seen somewhere. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it was just kind of, I love those um, fluid simulate like animations uh, so I was kind of trying to replicate that with uh, the the shape morphing by just drawing the different shapes and like manipulating the yeah. vertices in Illustrator. I'm just so glad that they, you know, it's this, it's just this concept where you can draw an SVG, right? And just SVG can draw anything because math exists or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can animate any shape to any shape unless, you know, somebody ro- rolls in with a library that does it and it does it and it, I shouldn't say that. I think the web platform is actually capable of a bit of of shape transition stuff, but there's so like the pile of limitations for it is so thick that you really don't see it used all that much. And yeah, and they've done such a great job with the tooling of it too, where you can actually like choose like which vertice maps to which vertice on the different shapes that they're interpolating between. Oh yeah, that's nuts, right? Rather than having it be a to- just a magic box that just right, does whatever right. it does, you know. I was in Keynote the other day making a slide and I had, you know, a cross, you know, a horizontal line in a vertical line. And on the next slide, I wanted it to um, move them. You know, it's still a horizontal line and a vertical line, but just, but just somewhere else on the page. And you'd, th- you know, in, in Keynote, there's a, there's a option that says magic move. And all it does is tween whatever's on the last slide to the new slide in a way, but it wouldn't just like shorten the horizontal line and shorten the vertical line. I wanted to do it. It, you know, it bent the one that was horizontal before became the vertical one. And I was like, is there a button that says don't do that? Like, but there's not, of course, because it's just a magic box. Whereas, you know, if the thing was using green sock, I could say, don't do that. Right. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've done a great job with it. Um, it's really fun to play with and use. Well, what are you excited about now? Well, we can wrap up that way. What are you working on? I, I'm kind of just continuing to like play around with stuff. It's like, honestly, it, I've gone through like lulls, you know, with like kids and sure. life and stuff where um, Same. <laughs> I do less of <laughs> less of this kind of stuff. But um, I've kind of reached a point now too where, where I'm trying to to play around more. So I've been doing a lot just with like, um, Pixie JS specifically right now, but also like getting more into like web components and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff, which is pretty cool. That's so I'm sure you're speaking for yourself there, but I am curious if Adobe 
cares about web components in their special Adobe way. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Well, like Adobe's actually using um, web components in a lot of our web applications now. Like, so um, I don't know if you're aware, but like Photoshop on the web was released, which is all using web components. Yes. Yes. How do, how, how should I forget? Yeah. What that, what a big deal, you know, and it works great. You know, what a cool release to have it be out and have it I mean, be just what it says it is. <laughs> yeah. And then have it be built from web components. So yeah, so Adobe's really into web components right now. Um and just really like betting big on on all that stuff. Cause it's really the great part about it is like, I mean, React's cool and all, like, but it's nice to be close to the metal and web components is, you know, is built into the web. And it is. And as we know from the experience of, for example, the entire history of the web, things that get into the platform. They stay there and they evolve and they tend to get better. Very rarely are things just ripped out of there. There's no chance we're going to very hard you know, to remove them. <laughs> two years from now, they're just not going to be there anymore. It's like it's like not going to happen, you know? Yeah. So betting on them now is like it doesn't feel like a gamble, really. It feels just like, well, that's where things are headed. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's going to be in the web for, you know, forever now. So. Yeah, so that's just fun stuff. Continuing to just play, try and like get inspiration from wherever I can and try and make fun stuff. So Well, thanks for the chat, CJ. It's a pleasure to talk to you, kind of meet you for the first time here in, in chat. So it's nice meeting you too. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, our paths will cross again one day. Take care. I hope so. All right. Thanks. Eight.